And away we go. The Topics Worthy of Discussion panel is with us here on the Thursday edition. Joining us, as he was here yesterday in the catbird seat, uh, he does yeoman's duty on so many fronts. Peter Sherman, broadcaster, businessman, and former PC MPP from Thornhill. How's Peter? I just jump in with both feet, John. Good to be here with you. Good to have you back. Uh, Stephen Holliday, Deputy Mayor, Councilor Ward 3 at Tobacco Center. We haven't spoken since you won the election. Uh, a tough, well, we did actually the uh, day after, but a hard-fought, bitter contest. But you are now the representative. It's Ward 3, isn't it? Well, the new ward is now Ward 2, but I'm still officially Ward 3 today. Oh, you You are? You got it right. You got (laughs) it right. I'm always happy to be here, by the way. All right. Uh, and we're happy to have you here. You're deputy mayor still, too, aren't you? Still for, I think, a couple more weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he still has a cachet. As soon as that ends, you'll bring it to our attention, won't you? Well, what the road <laughs> and the journey ahead is, we will see. Okay. But I'll let you know. Wow. Uh, an ominous note from a local politician. Uh, and David Sparrow rounds out the panel. The national president of ACTRA. That's the Film and TV Actors Union here in Canada. He's also run federally for the NDP and municipally in Toronto. How's David? I'm fantastic. Always a pleasure to be here on Global News Radio because of the global impact of this show, the John Oakley Show. (laughs) All right. Cut the crap. Let's get right down to business. (laughs) Let me ask you, Sparrow, because I'm always intrigued. I mean, uh, it's the actors union may be a little different than, you know, Unifor. And uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, nonetheless, as a union, I just heard from Jocelyn Bamford, you know, we're discussing this Bill 148, the labor law that uh, Kathleen Wynne felt she was upgrading and strengthening, and now it's been rescinded by Doug Ford, and there's a, a lot of blowback from uh, the labor component primarily, but uh, the idea that jobs are not being protected or wages are not being protected. Interestingly, Jocelyn Bamford, just on with us, the uh, founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario, challenged the unions to say, if you're that much concerned, then why don't you waive union dues that can be about $500 plus for part-time workers? Cut them a break that way. Would you favor that? I'll tell you, John, is that the union dues that's collected uh, goes to service uh, members and and in ACTRA and in all the unions, and that service uh, means that they get proper health and safety and recognition uh, and respect on set uh, for for actors, but in the workplace for other unions. Uh, We negotiate contracts for them and minimum fees, and and there's so much other work that we do. And in terms of the actors' union, public policy work at the uh, municipal, provincial, and federal governments. And so... uh, it is a tough job to provide services for 25,000 members across this uh, great country of ours, and it costs money to do that. And cutting uh, the dues would simply cut the services and would actually reduce the representation the members have. So I wouldn't be for that, but when it comes down to Bill 148, um, I do have a number of things to share with you. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, uh, you're not going to share any of these union dues, though. Look, her argument was uh, this would take... Uh away some of the uh, onerous uh, things that they have to pay out, you know, and this is one area that you have control over. I get it, but, you know, you've got to pay for services and uh, coverage and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but that could come from your other members, the full-time members. These are just a temporary, you know, the ones who are on the margins. Yeah, and we have varying, at ACTRA, we have varying dues uh, for people who are, are additional background performers, people are apprentice members, and people are full members. But let me give you an example of what that dues is going for now over the last year, and we've talked about this before, is the uh, harassment issues and the uh, hashtag MeToo folks, etc., and ensuring that we have proper uh, things in place to uh, help prevent 
harassment and bullying of all kinds on sets and, and really address that issue. And that has, quite frankly, cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars over, over this last year in order to properly uh, put in new policies and procedures and to uh, investigate uh, situations that, that have come forward and to ensure that uh, people are being properly respected and protected on set. All right. He yeah, well, sounds just like a politician, John, you know. Yeah, well, it's just well, it's coming from a different point of view. Look, I was an actor member for a lot of years, and I like Dave Sparrow, and I know he does a good job, and and I respect what actor tries to do. But I can tell you what actor did for me. It took dues off me every year, and uh, it provided me with the ability to record commercials, which was part of my income for a lot of years. Uh, and, and if I hadn't paid actor, then I wouldn't have been able to record those. So it was a form of blackmail. So unions can be pl- uh, plus or they can be minus. In this particular case, it didn't help me. Well, right. I, but okay, I was just going to say, you know, you're making an argument that also uh, it does give uh, legitimacy to the employer and the small business owners who also have obligations and they have to meet payroll and yada, yada, yada. And uh, until uh, they're uh, no longer viable, I mean, I'm saying they need uh, things like uh, Bill 148 uh, to be taken off their their backs. I mean, the uh, two paid holidays, Jocelyn was just saying people would take them right up front because they may, may be temporary and they're not going to be there more than a couple of months. So they take their two paid days right off the hop and you can't organize your whole labor force that way, Stephen. Well, I think there's a huge uh, picture here that we have to think about and that is just generally government rating wading into more and more regulation on businesses and costs. Now, you know, on the campaign trail, I actually ran into a few people that worked in the film and television industry. It's not Actra, but it's, you know, it's in the entertainment. That's big business in Toronto. And you know what they talked to me about? About the importance of government involvement in regulation around this. Um, We need to attract businesses to this city, to this province. And when you add things to the balance sheet that makes it more and more expensive for a company to operate and do business here, they might go somewhere else. And, you know, this is one more thing, another feather on the camel's back that might eventually break the back and have an industry like the film and television industry say, the heck with it, and let's go to Vancouver, where they don't have these laws, or some other some other city or some other place, because you can make cities look like other ones. It's all about the, the tax and the business climate that attracts these great entities to Toronto and creates employment. So, you know, Bill 148 is playing with fire, and, uh, you know, I'm all about uh, getting out of regulation of government and allowing businesses to flourish. All right. Uh, you know, we belabored it here since the top of the hour, so I wanted to dovetail while we still have time and get a lot of things shoehorned in because uh, the other idea that the labor uh, folk, I'm not saying you uh, necessarily, Sparrow, but uh, when we had the Speaker of the House, uh, Mr. Scott, suggest that uh, it's labor that's responsible for the vandalizing of Laurie Scott, the labor minister's office in Kawartha Lakes. Give a listen. Here's what he had to say. All right, we don't have that clip just yet. We'll get it. Uh, the question becomes, where does this give permission to people to enact, uh, well, acts of violence effectively that, you know, they're so uh, upset with the, the labor legislation being rescinded or tweaked? Uh, I'm surely you're not countenancing that or you're not supporting it, David Sparrow, but I mean, what gives rise to this kind of thing? 
Well, it's interesting. I was I was listening to you earlier as you were equating this and the things that are going on in the states in terms of the pipe bombs, etc. And I think the greater the division that exists within society, we're certainly hearing it in terms of the one percent and the ninety nine percent in terms of um, the wealth in society. We're seeing it in terms of right wing governments versus versus left wing governments, or or perhaps right and further right. Um, as that division increases, as the desperation increases, then people start to respond in desperate ways. And I do not uh, in any way support the attacking of, of a constituency office or the mailing of a pipe bomb or any kind of violence. I think it's, it's uh, reprehensible. Having said that, I think that this desperation is growing and you're seeing people who are marginalized on whichever side of the spectrum they are um, becoming more and more uh, comfortable with the idea of fighting back in some manner and uh, it's unfortunate and because the terrorism that they're evoking here is not going to work and it's really um, sad to see happening in a democratic Holiday, society. are you buying this rationalization? No, because uh, look, I'm in the industry of government and uh, what did they think the minister was going to get up that morning and say, oh my gosh they smashed my windows, I better rethink that one and let's do a different direction? No! She can't possibly change what she's doing now, because uh, that would give rise to other people taking desperate acts to make a change. You know, this was badly thought out. Um, the kind of people that in- get involved in this may not actually be involved in the politics at all. They might just wanted to have an excuse to go out and make a mess. Uh, because if they were really thinking, they would have realized that, you know, a ploy like this doesn't work. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, that uh, a number of organized labor groups have uh, condemned this. And I think society should condemn this because this is an attack on government and democracy. This was a, a uh, legally elected government. And the way to change a legally elected government's policies is to vote them out, not to engage in, you know, something along the lines of terrorism, smashing things up and creating a mockery in a scene. It just it just does not work. All right, Peter Sherman, hold your fire here. I want to come back and, uh, you know, flush it out a little more fully and yeah. then dovetail into the pipe bomb situation stateside because it seems now that uh, wreaking havoc becomes a form of political protest, and I use that term advisedly, uh, who or what has given rise to that or impetus to it. We'll continue to discuss another topic worthy of discussion with our panel, Peter Sherman, Stephen Holliday, and David Sparrow on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Unions should contribute if they're they're so interested as they claim to be in supporting a precarious workers and they should um, waive the the union dues for their part-time employees and I'm calling upon them to do it Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime history and the paranormal Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.